Hey there, and welcome to the Alinea Church Podcast, your place to get all of Alinea Church's previous messages, messages designed to equip you on your journey with Christ. Join us this week for our series on forgiveness. Enjoy! Church, it's going to be a, a great day today. Every time I move this TV, I'm afraid it's going to fall off its stand. So one day it's going to happen, and it's going to be really awkward. Uh, we are in our series on forgiveness, and uh, we're talking about today how to forgive yourself. I don't know if you've ever had to do that before. I remember one time when we were uh, backpacking. I may have told this story before, but it, it bears repeating. Um, I I am a research fanatic. Uh, so if I'm going to buy something new, I spend way too much time trying to figure out what is the perfect thing to buy. Uh, I love to research. I look at all the reviews. Uh, I look at, I, I, I shop the deals. Labor Day deal right now. My wife's already on me because I'm trying to find a new pair of boots. And she was like, you are overthinking this. I'm like, oh, you have no idea. Uh, you have no idea what overthinking looks like. Uh, but I, I am uh, looking for that. But I, I I had researched a tent because this was our first foray into um, taking our boys backpacking, uh, which is this really insane uh, exercise where you put everything you're going to live with for the next three days on your back and you carry it into the woods. And so you go into the woods and you make uh, meals that don't taste all that great. And you go to the bathroom in the woods and you're pumping your water from a stream. So I knew my boys would just love this. Uh, so they were young. I can't remember what ages they were. They're probably about like six and eight or seven and nine, something like that. And uh, there was a, a great man of God at the church that we worked with, loved him very much, but he thought it would be a good idea to give our boys uh, their first knife. And so we walked in one day and he gave them a Swiss army knife, each of them a Swiss army knife. So as good parents, what we did is we immediately put them in our sock drawers uh, because we're not, you know, no, seven and nine-year-olds are not gonna have their own knives. And, uh, but we're going backpacking. We're like, okay, it's a good idea. Let's give them their knives as we go backpacking, all right? So we're stopped at the first location and we've set up our two tents. And so there's your backpacking tents. So they're small. So each one holds two people uh, on a good day. And... Uh, so we're in there and I've got everything set up. I'm making dinner and I hear a lot of commotion. And uh, typically this type of commotion, I have, I have figured out what this type of commotion is. It is the sound of a mother trying to protect her cubs from the ensuing uh, anger that's about to happen. Uh, because what has happened is uh, my oldest son had thought it would be a good idea to test out this new Swiss Army knife and figure out if it works and try it out on the brand new tent that I just bought. So he cuts a precision hole in the mesh of the tent. I don't know this. Jennifer's like, it's fine, it's fine. So like, what's going on? What's going on? It's fine. And I, I uh, again, this is, if, if the dr teaching him to drive is like one of my two worst moments as a parent, this was the other worst moment as a parent uh, because I took the Swiss Army knife and I chucked it as far into the woods as I could humanly throw it and had him sit up against a tree and was not on my best behavior. And I, I eventually, I calmed down. Eventually, I went into the woods 
and I found a Swiss army knife and I gave it back to him. And the, the weeping and wailing that ensued, you know, you could hear it through the, through the valley of the mountains of Virginia. They probably some, thought something was dying, uh, was being murdered, but he, he, was, he was beside himself. And then I, for the next day and a half, was beside myself as well. I'm like, I'm the worst father ever. Like, I, it took me so long to get, get over this moment of, of stupidity on my part. Like, what, what a horrible parent am I? And I think a lot of times we have a hard time forgiving ourselves for things that we have done. In fact, I want to read a, a passage to you. It's going to be up on the screen, and it spans two chapters. And it starts at the end of Acts chapter 7, and it's the story of this man, Stephen, who was proclaiming the gospel in the early church. And the Sanhedrin, and the, uh, they were the religious, uh, the religious uh, hierarchy of that time in Jerusalem. Uh, they uh, were devout Jews that held to the law and added even more so to the law. And they were persecuting Stephen. Stephen had said something that had set them off. And so they decided what they were going to do to enact judgment on this guy was they were going to do what's called stoning. And stoning is where you would kill the person, but because everybody was throwing a stone, everybody had a rock, no one was actually guilty of the murder because you didn't know who actually threw the stone that sent him over the edge, all right? That's pretty gruesome, right? And so what they're doing is they're stoning Stephen, and that's where we're gonna pick up in our story here. And it's chapter uh, seven, all right? And it says this, uh, Stephen, while they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after saying this, he died. Now we pick up in chapter eight. Saul, who we know as the apostle Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. Saul agreed with putting him to death. And this is before Saul became a believer. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter, the, he would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them into prison. Now, the idea that I would have a hard time of forgiving myself for being upset with my nine-year-old is understandable, right? I mean, it, we're, as a parent, we try to be good parents, and we're, 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 we, we don't want to put our kids into therapy, which, you know, we're always afraid we're going to do, uh, because, you know, half of us are in therapy because of our parents, right? Um, but that was a joke. And they are, are way too serious this morning. Um, but here we have the Apostle Paul, and he has overseen the first martyr of the Christian church. And he's watching this as it happens. So can you imagine the Apostle Paul, how he must have felt when he realized the error of his ways. Because what happened with the Apostle Paul is he has letters to go arrest Christians 
and he's on the road to Damascus, and he has this encounter with Jesus that transforms his life. In fact, I think, I think the story of the Apostle Paul is probably one of the best arguments for the Christian faith because you can look at all of the New Testament and you can argue everything in the New Testament like, well, maybe Jesus didn't actually die or, oh, maybe he wasn't uh, really risen from the grave and people want to make those arguments. And I always come back, I'm like, what do you do with the Apostle Paul? Like, how do you explain the Apostle Paul? Here you have a, a religious zealot who is arresting believers who is seeing them stoned, is approving of it, and he has this one moment in his life where everything flips. He has this one moment in his life where he is no longer pursuing the death of Christians. He is now a Christian himself, and he is propagating the gospel and spreading it and is the most prolific writer in the New Testament. What do you do about the Apostle Paul? It's one of the, the best stories in the New Testament. So that's what we're gonna talk about today because I want to explore the Apostle Paul. And I want to explore how did the Apostle Paul come to the point where he was able to forgive himself for what he had done. Now, before I do that, I want to give a couple announcements as we get into today. One, everybody knows you can smell the food. We're gonna eat. So I'm gonna preach fast so that you can eat because everybody's stomach is gonna be garbling uh, the entire message. So make sure that you stay behind, enjoy a meal. Even if you didn't bring any food with you, there is plenty out there. And I want everybody to hang out and just have fun today. But then also a couple things to keep in mind. Uh, we have our new website up, so make sure you take a look at that, alineachurch.org. Uh, and if you find anything that is wrong on there, if you would do me a favor and proof it and let me know, uh, and I will make some changes, but everything should be good to go. Then also next Sunday, we have Vision Sunday, and uh, I'm gonna be explaining a little bit more about that later in the message, but it's a time for me to be able to share what's in, on my heart uh, about where I see us as a church over the next six months. And then the Monday after, we have our very first Man Day Monday. Uh, we're gonna be here sharing a meal as uh, men and uh, digging in deep into the disciplines of a godly man. Uh, so we're gonna be doing that the second Monday of every month. Uh, so make sure you put that on your calendars, guys. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. And then uh, lastly, uh, September 17th, we're gonna start our new uh, seeds series that's going to be in conjunction with a lot of our small groups. In fact, today, if you have not signed up for a small group, please, after service, we have the table set up, go out, meet the small group directors. Please, everybody, get into a group. I want us to be a church of small groups, not just a church that does small groups. And so I hope that one day we actually have more people in small groups than we have on a Sunday morning, because to me, that would be winning. To me, that would mean you are engaged in Christian community and you have friends and you're doing life together and uh, all those fun things, all right? Now, we're into this story already and we have the Apostle Paul, he has overseen the martyrdom of Stephen, and now he has to come to grips after he uh, has 
come to faith in Jesus on the Damascus Road with everything that he's done in his life. And we're gonna be looking at Philippians chapter three. If you have your Bibles with, us, with, uh, with you and you want to follow along with me, we're gonna be going through that chapter because here is the thing about forgiveness that we have to understand is, is this, that forgiveness of others begins by forgiving ourselves. If you remember our story from the very first Sunday about the unforgiving servant, he was never able to receive the forgiveness of the king that oversaw him, that forgave, what did we, what did we say? It was like $400 billion in today's money. He was never able to receive that forgiveness. And so when he walked out, he was unable to forgive the people around him, even people that owed him $10. And I think that in our life, we can think of things that we have done that, oh man, there are so many things in my life that I've done that when I think about them, I just shiver. I'm like, oh, Jeremy, you're such a, what were you, what were you thinking? You ever have those moments you're like, what were you thinking? Why, why, would, why did you do that? And we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. I hear people say that all the time. It's like, I'll never be able to forgive myself for that. And what damaging words those are. But if we are unable to forgive ourselves, we are going to be unable to forgive others. Because in Jesus Christ, you have received forgiveness. Let's dig into our text today. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evildoers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. So he's talking about those who are still holding on to the strict uh, uh, practice of circumcision, like, hey, if you're going to be a believer, you have to be circumcised. And there had been this council of Jerusalem where all the church leaders had come together and they said, you know what? We believe that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are coming to Christ. So let's not say that they have to have this minor surgery called circumcision to become believers, right? And all the men in the house were like, yay. But there were people in the church who were saying, no, that you have to do this. And, and, and Paul's really harsh on his words. He says, these are mutilators of the flesh. These are dogs. For we are the circumcision. The ones who worship the spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh. If, any, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the nation of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. And Paul, Paul has checked all the boxes. His bingo card is full. Right, he, he, he's done everything that he has set out to accomplish. Regarding the law, I'm a Pharisee. Regarding zeal, I was persecuting the church. Regarding the righteousness that is in the law, I was blameless. Paul has done it all. There's no one that could look at Paul in his life and say, man, I don't think that he has any weight, any gravitas to speak to us. But in fact, he is listing out all of his qualifications and he says, I don't put faith in any of those. And so when we look at that, our first point is this, forgiveness is not based on our own efforts. But we try, 
right? Forgiveness is not about self-flagellation. Forgiveness is not about beating yourself up. I think a lot of us, we think that if I'm sorry enough, I'll be forgiven more. That if we, we, we rake ourselves over the coals, that, that we, we don't forgive ourselves for certain instances. And so what happens when we do that is because we're beating ourselves up so much, we're never able to step into the calling that God has for us. Because we think that we're not worthy. We think that we're not qualified. We think that we're less than. And Paul is saying here, listen, all of those things that you do, all of those qualifications that you think that you have, they're worthless. Because I was blameless as a Jew. I was blameless as a Pharisee. And it was all for naught. You can't climb yourself out of this hole. You can't climb yourself out of the debt that you have to God in order to earn more forgiveness. It doesn't work that way. But we, we do that. We beat ourselves up. I'm, the, I'm, I'm so good at it. I'm so good at beating myself up, right? But look what this verse says. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater, amen? God is greater, than our hearts and he knows everything. In other words, you can beat yourself up, but God knows your heart. God knows what's really going on there. God knows the background of what happened. God knows your sorrow. God knows what you've been going through. Many times I think we don't forgive ourselves because honestly, we're trying to do too much. I mean, I know so many people like this where they're so hard on themselves because they are not living up to a standard that they have set for themselves or other people have set for them. They are not living up to this, this image that they have and, and they're setting themselves up for failure. Look at this. It says, then he said, woe also to you experts in the law. You load people up with burdens that are hard to carry, and yet you yourselves don't touch these burdens with one of your fingers. And Jesus is talking to the, the Pharisees here. But we do that in our lives also, not with legalism in the law, but with like trying to live up to this perfection in life. I've got to be the perfect mother. I've got to be the perfect father. I've got to be the, the perfect son, right? And what happens is you start living your life based off what you think other people think about you. Man, I remember one time I uh, worked at, was working on staff at a church and I took this personality profile and one of the steps in the personality profile was to help you understand your effectiveness. So when it came to cooperation, when it came to encouragement, when it came to being diligent, all of those things, it wanted to find a rating of what other people thought about you. Jeremy is very cooperative. Jeremy is very encouraging or Jeremy is not so, whatever the case may be. But what they had me do prior was to fill out the chart as I would think other people would fill it out for me. So the chart was like, half full, a quarter full. I'm like, I'm not very good here. I'm not very good there. 
I, I really stink at this. They're gonna say that I'm bad at that. And when the results came back, it was like 80%, 90% full. Jeremy is, Jeremy is so good at this. Jeremy is so encouraging. Jeremy is so engaging in this. And I, was, I looked at it, and the person that was doing my debrief on this, they said, you must be exhausted. I was like, well, what do you mean? They said, well, look at what you thought people thought about you, and now look at what people actually think about you, and you're trying to bridge this gap. You must be exhausted. I was like, how did you know? And they said, because you're trying to live up to a perception that's not even reality. And I think a lot of us do that. We try to live up to a reality that's not reality of what do people think about us? What are people gonna say about us? Listen, the only thing that matters is what Jesus says about you. I'm gonna say that again. I'm not sure if I've ever heard that. The only, thing, only, the only opinion that matters is what Jesus says about you. Stop trying to live in the world's eyes. Stop trying to live up to everybody else's expectations. Live up to what Jesus says about you. Live up to what he has called you to do. All right, let's keep going. But everything that was a gain to me, Paul's still writing here, chapter three, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung. Everybody know what that is, right? All right, all right, good. So that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Here's our second point. Forgiveness is the work of Jesus. So if it's not our work, it's not our efforts, it's not anything that we can do, it all rests on the work of Jesus on the cross. That alone should make us all go, <sighs> but I don't think we do that, do we? Still holding on as tight as we can. We're still trying to, trying to make it all work. We're still trying to, we're still trying to, still trying to forgive ourselves as if we had the power to forgive. Because the, the, watch this, I can't forgive myself is really saying I am my own master. I can't forgive myself is really saying I am my own God. Because think about that, who has the power to forgive sins? Yeah, good, on the front row, right answer. If the question is, the answer is usually Jesus, right? The Sunday school answer, Jesus. Who has the power to forgive sins? Jesus. Who does not have the power to forgive sins? Everyone else. <laughs> All of the above. I don't have the power to forgive sins. You don't have the power to forgive sins. We don't have the power to forgive sins. That means when it comes to the sins and the debt that you owe God, the idea that I can't forgive myself does not hold any weight because you don't have the power to forgive yourself anyway. 
your forgiveness is received. It is forgiveness that Jesus has granted you. It is forgiveness that was paid for on the cross. It is forgiveness that cost him his entire life because he saw you and he saw you and he said, I want a relationship with them. And so for scorning its shame, the Bible says, he obeyed even unto death unto the cross. Let's keep going. It says, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. I love that. Paul is saying, I want to take a hold of it as hard and as deep as Jesus has taken a hold of me. I wanna be so transformed by the power of the gospel. As much as Jesus has wrapped his arms around me, I wanna take my entire life and wrap it around this idea of the gospel, wrap it around this person of Jesus Christ, wrap it around the love that he has offered me. I wanna take a hold of it as much as it has taken a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken a hold of it. In other words, he's saying, man, I'm not there yet. Oh, I wanna be, but I'm not there yet. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal, the promise by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul is saying, I am forgiving myself because I am forgetting everything that has happened in the past. I'm receiving the forgiveness of Jesus and forgetting my part in standing in the circle that stoned Stephen and holding the cloaks of the people that put him to death. Paul is having to forget those moments that he dragged that mother and father out from their house and took them to prison. Paul is having to forget that moment that he broke up that small Christian church that was meeting in a living room. Paul is having to forget all of those things. Why? Because he is reaching for something greater. He is reaching for something that God has called him to do in his life. That's what Vision Sunday is about next week. It's because I believe as a church, God has called us to reach for far something greater than what is behind us. I believe that God is calling us to let go of the past and reach for what he is calling us to do. I believe that God has something greater for us than anything that we have to forget in our past. And we get hung up by it so much. We get so tripped up by the, the faults of the past that we have done or the faults of the past that people have done to us. And we are unable to reach forward and grasp the calling that God has in our life. And I think that breaks God's heart because he has so much better for us. He has something so much greater for us and we're still wallowing in the past. 
We're still saying, man, I, I, I made a mess of my life here. And God's like, I've forgiven you. Can we move on? Man, they really hurt me. They really injured me. And God's saying, can we, for, can we move on? Can we move on? Can we, can we get going? It's so much easier to let go of the past if you have a clear picture of what you're grabbing onto in the future. That's what Vision Sunday is about because we have a calling as a church to reach our community for Jesus. We have a calling as a church to live out the fruit of the Spirit. We have the calling of the church to be love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I'm not saying that when, when you're at trying to receive forgiveness that there's not gonna be grief. In fact, the Bible's very clear about this. It says their end is their destruction. God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. There is a difference between grief and shame. Second Corinthians says there's grief, there's godly grief that leads to repentance. But if you're encountering shame all the time, if you're encountering like, I am, I'm so ashamed, I'm so ashamed of this in my life. That is not of God. In fact, shame is, shame is a byproduct of pride. Their glory is in their shame. In other words, everything that they thought that they could do, it's actually producing shame in their life, all of their, all of their earthly striving. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Jesus says, there is now therefore no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. That if you're living a life of shame as a believer, that is not God. That is a strategy of the enemy. That is a tactic of the devil because what he wants you to do is he wants to drag you down. He wants you to believe that you were less than. He wants you to continue to suffer. See, the enemy will make you think that you got to pay for your past. When the Bible says, no, Jesus has paid. The Bible says that Jesus has come for us and that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross so that we could be free. That we could be liberated. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, if Jesus has done this, you can take it to the bank. You don't have to wrestle with that question. It's not even a question. It's been answered. It's been answered in the cross. It's been answered in the person of Jesus. For freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. In other words, you're free. Don't put yourself back into slavery. Don't go back to the old ways. Don't, 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 don't go back to, to the things that tripped you up. Let go of those, but also don't go back to constantly feeling sorry for yourself. Constantly feeling like that you've got you've to pay for your wrongdoing. Constantly beating yourself up because all that the enemy wants to do is make you question 
who you are in Christ Jesus. The enemy wants to trip you up when it comes to your identity. In fact, the more that I studied this message, the more I felt like that I could continually take the word forgiveness and replace it with identity. Because our identity is not found in anything that we can accomplish. It's found in what Jesus says about us. Our identity begins and ends with Jesus Christ, right? If we focus on Jesus, we focus on Him, we focus on His work, we focus on what He says, that's the key to identity. It's also the key to forgiveness if we will focus on Him. Because if, if we think that we're less than, then we can't be what God has called us to be. If we think that we're second class, then we can't be all that God has called us to be because God has called us to something far greater. God has called us to a mission. Every one of you has a purpose in life that God has created for you. But if you are questioning who you are in Christ, that's gonna suffer because you are a chosen people, Scripture says. Scripture says that you are valuable, that you were bought with a cost. The Scripture says that you have been redeemed for that purpose. That Scripture says that the righteousness of Christ is now on you. That means that you are now righteous, that God sees you through the person of Jesus Christ. That Do you know what? God didn't just love you. God likes you. He likes you, that you're pleasing to him, says 2 Corinthians 2. That he wants a relationship with you, that, that you are loved, that you are gifted, that, that you are enough, says Colossians. You're enough, that you have boldness now because of what Jesus has done in our life, that you can go through the throne room, go to the throne room and you can go boldly before him. That you are blessed that you are blameless, that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, that you are a new creation, that you are a masterpiece. All of these things are true, not because of anything that we have done. They're true because of the person of Jesus Christ in our life. And everybody said, amen. amen. So stop striving. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop beating yourself up. Stop wallowing in the mud. Stop saying, oh, woe is me. And instead, focus on the face of Jesus Christ and say, oh, but for the grace of God, it was Jesus that went to the cross, that paid for my sins, that died. But three days later, he rose again in victory so that I could have victory. And that is something to get excited about. And that's why we're able to forgive those who have hurt us because he forgave us first. And that's why Paul was able to boldly lead the early church and write Romans and Corinthians and Philippians and Galatians and Ephesians and Thessalonians and Colossians and mentor Timothy was because he understood that all of that stuff in the past, the old is gone and the new has come. And Paul knew that I am a new creation. That old person that stood at the feet of Saul, of, of Stephen as he was stoned, that person is no more. I don't even have to think about that person. In fact, I can glory in the work of Jesus Christ. And I believe that every one of you has a story like that. If you would stop and you would take record and you would go, oh, that was the old me, but the new me. 
the new me in Jesus Christ has been called to something greater. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your work of the cross. And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I just wanna ask, if you deal with that, you struggle with, you struggle with forgiveness, this has been a hard series. If you struggle with forgiving other people, or you struggle with even receiving the forgiveness of yourself, maybe you feel like that you thought you'd walk in these back doors and you thought the building would fall on your head because of everything that you've done in your past and you struggle with that. And you would like me to just pray for you, pray for you. would you, heads bowed, eyes closed, not embarrassing anybody, just slip your hand up real quick so I can, yeah, 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 yeah. God loves you, thank you, put your hands down. And if you've never, in your life, you've never received the forgiveness of Jesus, and you would like to do that today, would you slip your hand up real quick? Okay, okay, thank you. All right, let's do this. Let me pray for you and just pray for, God, I just pray, Jesus. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would anoint everybody within the sound of my voice. God, there's so many of us that are dealing with unforgiveness in our hearts. And God, I pray that you would help us. Help us to reach for what you have in front of us so that we can let go of the things that have been done to us in the past or let go of the things that we have done in the past. Lord, help us to forgive. Help us to receive forgiveness. Help us to rest in your work. And for those who are praying this for the first time, we're gonna pray a prayer of salvation. It's not in the Bible. It's not magic words. But for those who want to receive Christ today, it's just good handlebars to help us focus our mind on what is happening spiritually in this moment. And we're just gonna ask that you repeat this prayer out loud. And I ask everybody to pray it out loud for the sake of those who are praying it for the first time so they don't feel alone. Would you just pray this with me? Dear Jesus, I am a sinner, but you died for me. I ask that you'd forgive me and I receive that forgiveness. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And I believe that from this point forward, I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. In Jesus' name. Can we just celebrate all together? Just put your hands together for those who prayed that for the first time. And would you just stand with me as we continue in worship? And as we just...
Well, thank you for tuning in today. If you would like more information about Alenia Church, you can go to aleniachurch.org forward slash connect. There you can enter in your information. You can ask about more information about the church, and you can even let us know if you've prayed to receive Christ. We would love to put a free gift in your hand to equip you on this new journey. If you would like to partner with this ministry, you can do so by going to aleniachurch.org forward slash give. There you can make an easy tax-deductible gift to further the reach of the gospel through Alenia Church. Would you also pray about becoming a monthly partner through your financial giving? Our site makes it easy to set up a recurring schedule. Please take a moment to share this message, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you get your regular diet of podcasts. It helps us by getting the word out about what God is doing here in Middle Tennessee. If you live in the Middle Tennessee area and you don't yet have a church home, we would love to host you at Alenia Church. We hope to see you there. Remember, God sees you, He loves you, and He wants the best for you. God bless.